This is the Action Network Podcast. And this one is good. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello and welcome to the Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Anderson, here with Raheem Palmer. We are here to wrap up a lifeless week 10 of football. One of the worst days of NFL football days that I can recall. A lot of blowouts today. We had only four games within single digits all day. Raheem, what did we do to piss off the football gods today? I mean, sometimes it's just it, it, football is a, a game of variance. And sometimes you're going to have games to where God, teams are getting blown out. And sometimes you're going to have games like the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Detroit Lions, where it's just so awful that it's hilarious. It's great. It's everything that we love about <laughs> football, everything we love and hate about football in one game. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. Raheem and I were texting today. We almost, we, we wanted to just give you a whole podcast of Steelers-Lions talk. A whole podcast, because boy, is there ever a lost taco with that one. We are going to lead with that one. We're going to bounce quickly through some of the other games just to touch on a few points on each. We want to talk about quarterbacks too, so we're going to get to that later. This is a weird week of football for the quarterbacks that we all think are at the top of the list. And of course, we'll do Monday Night Football. We'll do our Week 11 Hot Read. And yeah, we will get into it. So odds today, as always, from BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. All right. As promised, let's start out with the big one. Steelers, Lions, 16 to 16 tie ball game. Our first tie of the year. The Detroit Lions improve to 0-8-1 on the season. I don't think anyone's ever been able to improve to 0-8-1. This game, the entirety of the game is our stink of the week. Smell it, smell it, smell it. It's the smell. It's quite pungent. Dude, plug your nose. It stinks. This is your stink of the week. This was the tiest tie that ever tied before. This is the cream of the crap. This game was awful and wonderful. I loved every second of it. What, what was your biggest takeaway at the top from this game? The biggest takeaway is that literally anything can happen. I mean, when you're looking at the, at overtime, you literally have like a kicker that looked like me and you out there kicking field goals. Then you you have multiple turnovers. You had the you had the turnover in which wide receiver drops the ball and Detroit picks it up, and it's just like it just it just was a, a whirlwind of anything that possibly happened. Yeah, it was nuts. Overtime alone. Here's here's what we got in overtime. Seven possessions in overtime, four of them in enemy territory. And remember, no points. We're in a tie here, no points. So we had, in overtime, we had a 30-yard play. We had a 39-yard play, no points. We had a negative 19-yard play. We had five penalties. We had two lost fumbles. We had two sacks, two drops, an aborted snap, a missed field goal. That's just 10 minutes of overtime. This game was insane. Then when you look at... Here's, here's the biggest the, the, the kicker for me that was so crazy. DeAndre Swift ran for 130 yards. He ran for 24 more yards than Jared Goff threw. Like, 
Detroit probably should have gotten blown out when you look at the box score. 4.5 yards per play, 2.7 yards per pass, two five like 5.9 yards per rush. Like they didn't really do a lot. And <laughs> so it's just like the Steelers probably should have blown this team out, but they just didn't get it done. They won the yardage 387 to 306, 81 to 64 in plays, third downs, 41% to 22%. Only the Steelers could play down to their competition in this week. <laughs> Only the Steelers. We told we we both said it too that this is just what the Steelers do. Like Mike Tomlin, a very good coach at certain things, but it, literally it's a decade of this now. Like for my entire adult life, Mike Tomlin Steelers play down to the Bears and the Lions of the world. This is just what they do. It's just that they play up to all the other teams, and that turns out that that formula does just enough. So, yeah, Jared Goff, I thought, was especially awful in this game. You said, uh, I forget how, how many yards he had, but he, I think he finished with 100, 114 yards. He had 54 yards at the end of regulation. 54! He had 60 yards in overtime. So he had more overtime yards than regular game yards. 4.6 yards per attempt. He had 29 dropbacks, 77 net passing yards on 29 dropbacks. That's like just horrendous. Negative 16% completion percentage under expectation, negative 11.9 EPA. This game is 16 to 16 and he lost them 12 points. Like just awful. By the way, we didn't say it yet. Big Ben was a late scratch this game. He's in the COVID protocol. He reported. We like that. We like honest quarterbacks. Mason Rudolph, somehow maybe the better quarterback this game. But uh, yeah, this extremely felt like a Goff and Rudolph game. Yeah, it's super goofy. We could we we don't want to spend too much time on this <laughs> game. So what are we doing next? Uh, yeah, I, I just I had to add to NFL Red Zone, which I was watching. They put up a playoff graphic in the late game. So this is one of the early games. They put up a playoff graphic, and you know they show the four division leaders on the left, and then the middle they got the three current wild cards, and then the also in the picture teams. And there's a whole list of them. And I screenshot and looked. Literally, it's week 11 now. Tomorrow, the NFC playoff picture was 15 teams. It's the entire NFC except for the Lions. Only the Lions are not in the NFC playoff picture. It's absurd. So, yeah, it's a mess. Honestly, the tie, not awful for the Steelers, the way that the AFC is bunched up. TJ Watt did leave with a hip injury. You know, he's obviously one of the best defensive players in the league. So Steelers are playing next Sunday night. So we get to all watch them together. Big Ben, hopefully will be back. TJ Watt, hopefully plays. Steelers did get some injuries in this one. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. All right. So yeah, let's go then to our other, our actual Sunday night game tonight. So we want to just kind of whip through some of these other games. We want to get to some quarterback conversation here. So Chiefs Raiders, boy, did I get this one wrong? Chiefs 41, Raiders 14. I had the Raiders. I said it wouldn't even be an upset. And boy, the Chiefs look like the Chiefs again. Patrick Mahomes, 406 yards, five touchdowns. After all that, the Chiefs are alone in first place again. Pat got the ball up fast, short passes, just just shredded the defense. This wasn't it was barely close. It like, yeah. What what'd you th- what'd you see here? To me, it just looked like the it looked like vintage Patrick Mahomes. Like he was 35 of what was he, 35 of 50 for like 400 yards? So to me, I, I saw Patrick Mahomes doing the same. Like, it's so funny because he's like Steph Curry in the sense that yeah. 
he does a lot of things that are just not fundamentally sound and it looks great when it's working <laughs> or when it's not working, it's, it's terrible. And for whatever reason, the last three, four weeks, it hasn't been working early in the season. They struggled with turnovers. And I think tonight they got some good turnover luck. It just looked like the chiefs were rolling and this was their night. Yeah. I will say this. I am hesitant to just declare the chiefs back. What I didn't take into account in this game and apparently neither did the Raiders is that Gus Bradley, the Raiders defensive coordinator, has watched what we all saw for the last month, month and a half. Every team drops their two safeties deep, take away the deep ball. We know how to scheme up the Chiefs. We know how to limit them. And Gus Bradley, my guy, former North Dakota State defensive coordinator, he's like, nah, nah, I'm going to do cover three all game. I know who we are. I know what works for us. So if you don't cover three, Cover three is a single high safety. So one safety deep, two cornerbacks drop deep, and it leaves these little spot in the zone all over the place. Cover two is two guys deep, dropping both safeties, totally different defense. And honestly, Mahomes has not looked comfortable for the last month. Mahomes looked extremely comfortable tonight. Like he was like, oh, okay, this? Oh, yeah, I know how to play against this. And guess why? Because he's played against it eight times the last four years because this Gus Bradley has been the Chargers defensive coordinator the whole time. And the guy just does what he does. He never adjusts. So I'm not quite ready to say the Chiefs are totally back yet, but you know, they certainly picked apart this defense. Also, I think the Raiders are missing Henry Ruggs and just taking the top off a little bit more than I expected that they would too. So without a doubt, without, I think the big thing, the big thing with Henry Ruggs is that he's actually on the field every snap. Whereas like a guy like Deshaun Jackson, if he comes in, you already know he's going deep. So it it kind of tips his hand. For sure. All right. My Vikings beat the Chargers 27-20. What'd you see in that one? This was a big game for the Vikings. And I really love the Vikings in this spot. I think I gave it away last week on the hot read. I was a little concerned with some COVID issues that we had from the Vikings. But basically everything that I I saw and, and wrote about beforehand is what happened. The Chargers cannot stop the run. Dalvin Cook was able to do whatever he wanted. And also, they're banged up in the secondary. So when you look at the Vikings, they pretty much dominated offensively. They were they won the yard, yard to play, 5.3 to 4.6. Yardage, 381 to 253. Red zone percentage. Like, every, every facet of the game, they dominated. And I think one of the things that, that's so perplexing is that this Minnesota Vikings team is probably one of the most talented in the league and probably should be a Super Bowl contender. During that game, I watched, they put up a stat and it said the Vikings led in every single, they led by seven in every single game this season. Oh man. That, that's, that is rough. And also as a lifelong diehard Vikings fan, also not even a little surprising And Minnesota has gotten off to a fast start. Like week after week, their their offense comes out looking great and getting a first quarter touchdown or two, getting getting off to a good start. They usually just don't hold on. This game, they're able to hold on. Kind of a weirdly normal game, I thought, considering the Vikings and Chargers involved in it as, as abnormal games as they tend to play. I did think, too, we, we've talked a lot about Brandon Staley this year. Some kind of questionable decisions and game management from him. Uh, taking the field goal at the six yard line down 10 with only like four and a half minutes left. I don't know. I don't think I trust my defense. The the Chargers defense has not really been looking good. And they just basically, that was the end after that. So yeah, the 
Staley has gotten a lot of love from both of us and deservedly so, but it did feel like some question marks in this one. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think maybe he, he started to feel the pressure from the media. He got a little bit more conservative. So it's a little disappointing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Definitely. They didn't quite go for it on fourth down as much as I would have thought they would as well. All right. Our big upset of the day, the Washington football team took care of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 29 to 19. Washington kind of comfortably led for the most part in this game. And they did it because Tampa's defense could not get off the field. Tampa Bay only ran 47 plays this game. Washington had 71. They had drives of eight, eight plays, seven, 10, 11, eight, and 19. The 19 play drive was the killer. So the Bucs score a touchdown, pull. They should have pulled within three. They missed extra point, which I think was actually pretty huge because it kind of turned the flow of the game script. Washington gets the ball back with 10.26 or 10.55 left. They used up 10 minutes and 26 seconds, 19 plays, the longest drive of the season, 80 yards and the touchdown and injury to insult Vita Vea, their stud run stuffer gets hurt on the final play of that drive too. Cause they're just exhausted after 19 plays. And that was that. So this, this to me was very worrying for Tampa's defense. Oh, I was definitely worrying. I mean, we've we've already known about the issues in the secondary all season long, but to see Gibson be able to actually run the ball and be effective, that was the most concerning thing <laughs> for me. So I, I 100% agree with you. But I do think this is the Washington football team that we expected to show up this season. Um, you know, obviously they probably should have beaten Green Bay the way to perform, but I feel like everything came together for them t- today. And like for me, as somebody who picked them to possibly win a division, is a little frustrating. Yeah, everything came together. And then right as everything came together, Chase Young goes out and it looks like possible torn ACL, which sucks just because this, he's just one of the most talented young defensive players in the league. So you hate to see that happen to anybody. Hopefully that news is not as expected. Uh, Washington was nine and a half point underdogs plus 340 to the money line. I believe that's the second longest money line winner we had this season. So this was a big upset especially with the Bucs coming off a bye. They're on a two-game losing streak now. Uh, I'm not so worried about Tom Brady and the offense. They need to get healthy, those receivers, and like all their guys just haven't gotten back, even out of the bye. Brady did have interceptions, but they were kind of tip pass and weirdness. They only had the ball for under 21 minutes in this game. So I think the offense was not great. You want them to be much better against a defense this porous, but I'm much more worried about the defense and the offense here. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. So next game we're going to go with is the Seattle Seahawks, Green Bay Packers. Look, this line was like open at Green Bay minus six and actually got pounded down because we actually thought that Aaron Rodgers might not play due to COVID. He got, he got cleared on Saturday. And this was never really a game. Like you had Russell Wilson returning to the lineup. And it appears just one quarterback actually showed up, and that was Aaron Rodgers. He he struggled with some 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 rustiness as well, but both of them had red zone turnovers. The biggest the biggest takeaway I have from this game is that Green Bay's defense has just been they've been they've been solid. Uh, when you look at the last couple of games, they they played Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson, and they've held them to a combined thirty four points. You got two two um, interceptions from Kevin King and Adrian Amos. So I'm impressed with this Packers team. What do you think? Yeah, I was wondering about the defense too. I'm not totally sure how to interpret it yet because like 
is Russell Wilson still just playing hurt and that's what's happening? It was Patrick Mahomes kind of broken and that's what was happening. Or is the defense really showing up? Like I, I don't, it's a chicken egg sort of thing. And I haven't made up my mind on it yet. Russell Wilson's numbers in this game though, terrible. First time he's ever been shut out as a pro 20 of 40 on the passing 161 yards, two interceptions, both in the end zone. We had three interceptions in the end zone in this game. Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers never throw interceptions in the end zone. So I don't know what was happening there. Just rust, you know, these guys have been off and both coming back. Russell Wilson, negative 0.37 EPA per play, negative 18 total EPA today. That's horrendous. And his numbers before he got hurt were like at the top of the league. So I am, well, let me ask you this. How worried are you about Russell Wilson going forward? Because those numbers should make you very worried. But is this just a first game back thing? Or do you think that the finger injury is lingering? I do think some of it is the first game back because just watching the game, it looked like he didn't have the timing and the rhythm with some of his receivers. So I think some of that will come. Now, some of the throws that he was making were ill-advised, but that comes with the territory with Russ. He's he's a guy who's going to improvise. I think he'll be fine. Maybe not this week, but as the season goes on, he'll be okay. Yeah, and Seattle's defense, too, has played a lot better. Like, if we're going to give Green Bay a compliment, we've got to give Seattle credit. There's only 3 nothing with 11 minutes left, and then the Packers just pulled away late, 17 nothing. Green Bay, by the way, remember they got blown out by the Saints in week one? Nine straight covers since then. So the Packers, every week, they somehow pull something, you know, they, they pull it out and keep covering, even though we keep waiting to fade this team, keep trying to. You and I both were big on Seattle in this game. I think a lot of us at Action Network were all over Seattle on this one. So Green Bay came through. Yeah, I, I'm curious where where the Seahawks go because I actually think this team is a, a dangerous playoff threat if Wilson can get healthy. They're three and six now, and they're playing Arizona this week. So the season is really on the brink here for them. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I I think there's there's so many teams that can can get into this wild card and anything can happen. So you got a quarterback like Russell Wilson, the sky's the limit. That's true. All right, another one of those teams that I was not counting on possibly crashing the wild card party, but I'm starting to think twice. Philadelphia Eagles, 30 to 13 in Denver. Never an easy place to play. That one ended up as a pick'em, and the Eagles dominated. Devontae Smith had an awesome game. Big leaping touchdown over his Alabama uh, rookie fellow Patrick Sertain. So he had two touchdowns today, Devontae did. Eagles, number one EPA per drive over the last three games. This team. They played the Lions, and I was like, oh, yeah, they beat the Lions, whatever. Like, not a big deal. They ran all over them, and that's they just decided, like, oh, hey, we're pretty good at running. What if we're a running team? Let's run the ball instead. Early in the year, they were running well but never trying. They had 40 rushes again today for 214 yards, and their defense has not played great, but run the ball keeps the defense off the field. Hurts is definitely a good running quarterback. I'm kind of intrigued. The Eagles feel like they're kind of zigging when everyone else is zagging and they have a bit of an identity here. Are you intrigued by the Eagles at all? I'm definitely intrigued by the Eagles. I think one thing you got to understand is that there's been a professional betting syndicate who's literally been betting the Eagles every single week. They've taken sharp money every week. I mean, if you look at these Eagle lines, like even dating back to when they played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday night football, all of them are getting pounded down. So this line actually opened at Eagles plus three. I think I gave that out to you guys. And that line closed at around one and a half. And you look at what they're doing next week against the, the, the New Orleans Saints. They open as underdogs and they're now favorites. So 
they're getting a lot of respect within the betting market. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that this team can run the ball. And it also helped that they played a, a Broncos defense, which is just 21st and rush success rate. And so it's just, they can't really stop the run either. One thing about the, the Broncos is that they really struggle to protect. So, and they made a lot of key mistakes in this game. You had the, the, the Melvin Gordon fumble. You, you, they struggled in the red zone. So this was just a game that the Eagles dominated, but at the same time, the Broncos didn't help their case. Yeah, for sure. Denver was one of 11 on third down, 0 for 2 on fourth down, 1 of 5 in the red zone. Like by, by those numbers, you know, they, they could have easily made this a lot closer than it ended up being 30 to 13. Kind of a rough one if you bet the over on this game, too. Line closed at 44 and a half, and we got 43 points. The teams went two of eight in the red zone, and the Broncos even got down to the 10 with two minutes left and then turned it over and down. So couldn't quite hit the over if you were in on that one. Uh, all right, let's do one more of these here, and then we'll get to quarterbacks. Saints, Titans, the Saints came back and got the touchdown late but couldn't get the two-point conversion. Titans win 23-21. Saints do get the cover plus three. What would you think about this? Tennessee keeps rolling. I'm not impressed with Tennessee. When you look at <laughs> when you look at Tennessee for the second straight week, they got outgained in yardage. The Saints, uh, to me, the, the Saints outgained them in yardage, three seventy three to, to two sixty four yards per play, six point one to four point six. Third downs, forty two twenty five percent rushing yards. I mean, literally every single category, the Saints dominated. But of course, they got the cheap nineteen yard touchdown. So. The Saints, they, they've been struggling in the first half of these games offensively with Trevor Simeon. I'd really like to see more of Taysom Hill, but the Titans are just, I, I think they're, they're, they're floating on thin ice. So, yeah, I would have loved to see more Taysom Hill in this game. I thought Sean Payton called a really poor game. Like, if you have Taysom Hill and you pay him that money, you bring him in at the goal line. At the very least, even if you're not starting him, you bring in your guy at the goal line. And they had one drive where they had, like, it felt like five or six plays inside the 10. He was in for no plays. Then they had a penalty and went out of that range. Then they brought him in and ran him back in, then took him out and put Simeon back in. I will say Simeon actually threw some dimes in this game. Like he had a, he had a few nice passes. I do think that he, you know, with those two, I think the Saints could maybe pull this off enough, but I didn't like the play calling. There were a few key plays in this one too. The Saints missed an extra point. Again, that this plague of missed extra points that are like really turning game scripts. I'm not into it. Can we just move the extra point back up and just make it normal again? Like, I don't need all these weird missed extra points screwing games up. There was another one, too. Uh, end of the first half, and uh, Ryan Tannehill throws an interception in the end zone. And then uh, I forget who it was, but Eagles were rushing him and got like the two-hand touch after the play, and they called it roughing the passer. Terrible penalty. Not the worst, worst one we've seen this year. But, of course, that takes the interception off the board. Titans get the touchdown. You know, that ended up being the game because in, in a game that was this close, there, the margins were so little. So, yeah, the, the Saints have lost a few that way. The Titans are won six in a row at this point. They're eight and two. They have tied for the best record in the entire NFL. I, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's skip over some of the other games. We'll wrap them in a little bit. We want to talk about uh, what our top 10 quarterbacks look like. This is a weird, weird quarterback week. So let me paint the picture a little bit. Tom Brady, not very good today. Rodgers and Russ, both rusty, both coming off injury slash COVID. Kyler Murray is out, hasn't played for a couple of weeks. 
Dak Prescott looked good, still playing through that injury. Don't forget Lamar Jackson on on Thursday night looked terrible, had his maybe worst game of the season. Weird week for all these quarterbacks. And of course, quarterback is the most important position in football, probably in team sports. Like this is what determines so much. So we want to zoom out a little bit. We each made our own list of top 10 quarterbacks. Who would we trust the rest of the way for the season? And we haven't shared the other the list yet. We're going to do it live for you and talk a little bit about what does that look like for the MVP race? Of course, that will be a quarterback. What's it look like for team ceilings? You know, you've got to have a quarterback to make a play and win those three, four games you need for a Super Bowl. So let's get into it. We, we did ours in tiers. We haven't talked about this at all. So we'll see how this goes. My quarterback list, I have one guy alone at the top in a tier by himself. How many people are in your top tier? I have two. All right. So is Patrick Mahomes in your top tier? No. Patrick Mahomes is my number one in my top tier. I made it before the game tonight. And I thought, am I seriously doing this? I've been trashing Mahomes on this podcast for the last month. His numbers are not there. But at the end of the day, it's still Patrick Mahomes. And I think that I would have been willing to put someone else at least with him on my list. But everyone else has been faltering, too. So I still have Pat at the top. It's still Pat. Who's your top tier? See, I didn't like the way I did mine is like I have it in a tier, but I have these two as your aging Hall of Fame quarterbacks who, you know, you're going to get a great performance out. You just know. It. And it's Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And I trust them. You kind of have to trust them and you have to give them the benefit of doubt that no, no other quarterbacks have. But at the same time, even though they're still in that tier, you know that they could fall off a cliff. Yeah, that's that's true. I, I struggled with where to, to rank Tom Brady. I have Rodgers third. I end up with Brady fifth. So my next tier down is four guys. So Rodgers and Brady are in that tier. So I'll just tell you mine and then we can go go back to mm. yours. Mm. One surprise name in here, I think. So my tier two, three, four, and five, I have Lamar Jackson second. I have no real idea how to rank him because I try to think of these like, well, what if you put this quarterback on this team or in that other situation? I don't know how to imagine Lamar Jackson in any other team or situation. He's mm-hmm. in the best team situation for him. Like I'd rather he have some receivers over there, but he, he is playing as well as anyone right now. Like, I think we agree he should be the MVP or at least should have before Thursday with the way that he's carrying that offense. So item number two, Rogers three, Justin Herbert is my number four. And I have Brady at five. The reason I have Brady at the bottom here is because in my head, I thought, okay, could I put Lamar or Rogers or Herbert in Tampa with all those weapons with that line? Wouldn't I feel just as good about the offense and maybe even a little better? Like, we'll I have to worry about cold weather games and aging and whatever else. I think so. So I had to put Brady last in this tier here. Justin Herbert has struggled. He's been up and down. I think that it's the play calling. Herbert is really hitting passes. He's, he's looking good. I think that if you put him in a better system, maybe this is too soon, but I like what's there. What, where, how do you feel about Lamar and Herbert? Are they in this range for you? Yeah, Lamar is definitely in this range. Um, for me, like I have this 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 range as the next the next tier of stars, um, and and just guys who are just gonna you, who can make a play, and they have the resume to back it up. So for me, in this tier is Patrick Mahomes, who's at the very top of that list. Yeah, and he hasn't necessarily shown it this year, but he's at the top of that list. And then I have Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson. Um, obviously Dak Prescott. He plays in a run-first offense, but 
this guy is everything you want a quarterback. If you need a game winning drive, I probably want that Prescott there. So I think I have those three there alone. I mean, as of this year. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have Dak Prescott second on my list if I was confident in the health. And after today, maybe I'm confident about the health coming into the games today. I certainly was a little more questionable. My, my next tier of guys is kind of the, well, they probably would be higher, but I'm not totally sure which version we're getting because of injuries, but I'm a little further down my list. So, so we had your top two and then your next three. What do you have after those three? I have, like, I actually have the same tier as you. I have Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. We just don't know what we're going to get from them just because they're banged up. Yeah, that's, that's what I have. And I just have Dak in that tier. I do have Dak at the top of that list. I, I agree. Like, he's playing great football right now. I think he remains underrated. He's just a very good player, a very good passer, very good runner, the whole thing. I always have loved Russell Wilson. Another one where if he was healthy, if he were healthy and playing like he was earlier, he'd probably be number one. I probably would actually put him at least in my Patrick Mahomes tier and maybe ahead the way that Mahomes is playing. Although after tonight, maybe I readjust and keep Pat on top. He certainly has earned that spot there. Kyler Murray, I have eighth here just because the injury last year that he had, he never really came back from, and we've never seen in the playoffs. So just by, by not being tested and having that injury makes me a little bit concerned about him, but yeah, eighth, is he eighth on your list as well? Seventh? Oh, um, seventh, I think. Cause you don't have Herbert on yours yet. Yeah. I don't actually don't even. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he's about eighth. So who rounds out your top 10 then? These are the guys who are up and down. They have the talent, they have the numbers, they have the skill set, but you still don't quite trust it. So I have Josh Allen. Actually, I have Matthew Stafford, Josh Allen, and Kirk Cousins. And I have Kirk in the top 10. (laughs) And it's like, as good as Justin Herbert has been, to me, Kirk Cousins is better. Like this year. When you look at all the advanced metrics, completion percentage, DVOA, Kirk Cousins has played like a top 10 quarterback this year, but we all know he plays with Mike Zimmer and he just has those stinkers in prime time. So I have him on my list. And I I think I took the way Herbert has played over the last couple games. I kind of had to take him out of the top 10. Yeah. I think that that's fair. So I don't, so I have so far, I've had eight guys since I had Herbert in. So I only have two more spots here. My number nine is Ryan Tannehill. And that may be kind of controversial, but the numbers that he's put up outside of the first month this season, since then, and really last year and the last bit of the season before that, he's earned the spot there. And if we're comparing it to Kirk Cousins, I had Matt Carr just off the, or sorry, Matt Ryan and Derek Carr just off the list here. I think Tannehill belongs in that list. And the way that he's been producing, he belongs at the top of that list. So at Tannehill nine, I have Matt Stafford at 10. I have Josh Allen off the list and actually like not next off the list either. I, I actually had him Ryan Carr and Kirk and then Allen, the kind of, mm. you know, all in a similar, like they're all in the same tier to me. So this is where I want to ask a few questions. So Josh Allen, you had him just at the bottom of your top 10. I have him out of the top 10 right now, as we record this late Sunday night, Josh Allen is the MVP favorite, a heavy MVP favorite. Now he's 200 Two to one odds at BetMGM. We have talked about this all season and his odds keep dropping. What's happening? How is Josh Allen a heavy favorite? Am I crazy? 
you're not crazy at all. I don't quite understand it as well. And I, I think there's other quarterbacks who have just played better. But, I mean, when you do look at his metrics, he is it. he's top five in EPA and completion over expectation. Like, he's at the top of the list as far as success rate. He's top 10 in that. So his metrics are there. And he has the wins. But I think sometimes your reputation precedes you. We see it all the time. We're NBA guys. We see yeah. guys who get voted for um, – first team all defense based on things that they've done in the past. And Josh Allen had such a tremendous season last year that I think there's some carryover effect there. But one thing I want to say is that I agree with you on Ryan Tannehill. And if I had 11, he would have made my list. I, like, and I, I debated which one of those guys I could take out. I think this is probably one of the best years for quarterback play we've seen in a while. Yeah. I was surprised actually how deep the list went. Like we didn't mention Joe Burrow, I think that he could be in that tier with with those same guys. I would be intrigued too. I don't know yet. That's obviously very soon and too early. If Cam Newton is healthy and like Cam Newton, the way he's been again, he could get onto this top 10 list. I'm intrigued by Cam Newton. It might be bad. There's a reason he wasn't playing, but it could be very good. Am I crazy to think Cam Newton could sneak in here? He can't sneak into the top 10, but I think he could be a, a solid quarterback who can provide a dual threat for offense. The way he yeah. he broke down that run today was just, I mean, it was finished can. And I, I love seeing it. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, I kind of wonder if Buffalo might be a fake contender after making this list. Like the whole, like we know their defense is very good, of course, but the offense is Josh Allen. The offense is Josh Allen. Like there's no run game. The whole thing is predicated on Allen being awesome. And if we're right that he's like a fringe top 10 quarterback and not a stud quarterback, and there's no help from the run game, not a lot of blocking. Can we really trust that team to be a legit Super Bowl contender? I feel like this thinking about it this way, it kind of exposes that offense. I'm going to be honest with you. The, the Patriots are on their behind right now. They are. So, and they have two games with the Patriots and playing Belichick is never easy. And, I think one of the advantages Buffalo has is their home foot advantage. And we all know home foot advantage is decreasing year over year. It's probably less than a point now. But in the playoffs, going into Buffalo to take on this Buffalo defense and Josh Allen is not easy. And I, it, home foot advantage is definitely going to be worth a lot more than that if a team has to go in there. But they could not even win their division. Like New England's one game back. So I mean, they beat up. They beat up some really bad teams. They caught Kansas City in a rough spot, so that win doesn't even look as good as we thought it was at the time. So the book is story. The book is still out on them. It is. I, I'm curious too. Obviously, the Titans are eight and two. They are the clear AFC one seed right now. The Rams really got helped today by that Cardinals loss, which we didn't talk about. But the Cardinals missing Kyler Murray and Dounder Hopkins got blown out by the Panthers. So the Rams are now possibly tied for the division. We'll talk about them in the Monday night game. Both of those teams presumably are Super Bowl contenders, maybe with the Titans. We've said it all along. If you're the one seed, you have a good shot. But we have Stafford and Tannehill, both kind of fringe top 10 quarterbacks. Same range as Allen. Does that worry you as far as Super Bowl upside and actually winning those three, maybe four games in a row? Can Tannehill or Stafford actually get those four wins? I'm worried about Matthew Stafford. Because, I mean, we look at his game against the Titans. That, that was a game that they probably should have won. The Titans, they outperformed them. Like, the Titans' offense really didn't show up. They had, like, 190 yards of offense. 
and Stafford literally gave the game away. So it's just like we've seen that in Detroit. Like this Rams offense, they don't have a great running game. So if you don't have a great running game, you're relying on your quarterback to do more. And we've seen Stafford when he doesn't have a great running game in Detroit. At some point, he just melts down. So that's a real concern for me. Yeah, it's a big concern. Robert Woods is a big loss, too. He's one of the best blocking receivers in football. So that's a receiver loss, and it hurts the run game. So that further goes into what you were just saying, too. So, yeah, I've been into the Rams, and then this exercise made me kind of be like, ah, how much do I actually trust Matt Stafford to go get the job done in the playoffs? We've never seen him get any job done in the playoffs. So uh, a couple more questions here, then I'm going to get out of here. So Patrick Mahomes, he's number one on my list. He's at the top of your second tier. He's obviously great. He had a great game tonight. Patrick Mahomes is still 40 to one to win MVP at BetMGM. It's Mahomes. His numbers are pretty good still besides the interceptions. The Chiefs are now alone. First place in the division. Does Mahomes give the Chiefs a chance in the AFC? Are they alive still? Is Mahomes still alive for MVP? Like how much is the ceiling still there for them? I think he has such a shaky start to the year that I don't believe that he can actually turn it around. But sometimes that perception of what you did, they've already played 10 games. Yeah. Uh, That's more than half of the season. Yeah, it's it's just too big of a hole to climb out. But they do – they play the Cowboys this week. But, I mean, they would have to pretty much run the table. Yeah, I think you'd have to get – you'd have to get this version of Patrick Mahomes, the one tonight where the Chiefs scored 41 and he has five touchdowns. Do that for, like, another month in a row, and he's going to have a lot of attention going. But we'll probably have to see it more than a game. 40 to one. It's intriguing, but yeah, I, I think, I think that the ship probably has sailed one other name that I promise you was nowhere near my list. And I don't think anywhere near yours, Baker Mayfield, our Cleveland Browns. We called ourselves the, the Cleveland Browns podcast. I don't know if Baker even makes a top 20. Like he was supposed to be in that mix of the Kirk cousins, Matt Ryan, Tannehill. They just needed him to be in that group. And to be fair, he's not healthy. He took another injury today. I just don't know if he's in that group even. I, I'm very worried about Baker. I don't know about the Browns at this point. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Browns have had a revolving door of injuries all year. It's tragic because this is probably the best Browns team that we've seen since 1994. But they've had injuries. They've had bad luck. It started in game one. They dominated the Chiefs in that game and still lost. And I think that was kind of a microcosm for their season. I think so. All right, let's run through the rest of Sunday's action and wrap up week 10 before we get to Monday Night Football here. Cam Newton is back, as he told us. Cardinals turned it over on their first three possessions. Cam Newton came into the game and scored a touchdown on his first two touches of the season. This dude, as he said afterward, was home eating a bowl of cereal last week, and now he's out here putting up touchdowns on the formerly one-loss Cardinals. Panthers roll 34-10. No Kyler, no Hopkins. P.J. Walker, the XFL P.J. Walker, 7-0 lifetime as a professional starting quarterback. Probably going to get benched for Cam Newton next week, though. Bill Belichick took his old team, the Browns, into the deep waters and drowned them 45-7. Baker Mayfield, terrible, got another injury. Mac Jones was dealing today. Three touchdowns, 19-23. of 23. The Patriots went over the total on their own. They even scored so much. Our guy, Jacoby Myers, finally got his first career touchdown. Good job, Jacoby. Colts went up 17-0 on Jacksonville in the first quarter. 
coasted the rest of the way, but left the back door open late as the Jags covered. Trevor Lawrence, three of 14 at the half. Jaguars not looking great. A revenge game for Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, whose defense sucked the life out of Matt Ryan and his old Falcons team. Atlanta, one of 11 on third down. They had the ball 22 minutes, 43 to three. Cowboys beat down over Atlanta. And last but not least, a reality check for the Mike White parade as everyone's favorite survivor castaway through four interceptions. And like the Chiefs did tonight, the Bills also kind of look like the Bills again, 45-17 over the Jets. All right, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor and get to Monday Night Football. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in in Virginia. That sync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, Monday night. We've got a good one out in the NFC West. The Los Angeles Rams head to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. This line has been slowly, slowly inching down all week long. Currently, the Rams are three and a half point road favorites. We've got a total at 50. This one looks pretty interesting. What do you make of this game? This is a really, really interesting game. First things first, Kyle Shanahan has dominated this matchup. He's won each of the last four meetings against Sean McVay's Rams. But I can't do it. There's a lot of sharp money on the 49ers, but this team really just hasn't performed the way you would expect them to to play. And the offense is, I mean, is actually solid, but there's there's something, there's a disconnect there, and I I don't quite understand it. Like, what's your thoughts on this 49ers team? Yeah, I... I, I struggled the same way. I, I I dug through, you know, we all, we, you and I both love to look at EPAs and DVOAs and all the numbers, the Niners by all the numbers, other than the one that matters, the win loss record, the other numbers make them look pretty good. They're number nine in DVOA at football outsiders. They're number six in offensive DVOA. Who in the world thinks the 49ers are the sixth best offense in the NFL They're a top eight passing attack, running attack, and running defense. They're just terrible on passing defense. We can agree with the numbers on that one. Their special teams have been very good. Uh, Football outsiders, so they're three and five. 
Football Outsiders expected wins 5.2. That's a pretty huge difference. They have played the fourth toughest strength of schedule so far. So I think that's a little bit of it. And if you look at the games too, they almost beat the Cardinals the first game, not last week. That was bad. They almost beat the Cardinals. And that was with Trey Lance, no Jimmy Garoppolo. They led the Colts in the fourth quarter, blew that one. They should have beat the Packers. They blew that one late. They've missed George Kittle for three games. He's back. I think he might be their best player. They missed Jimmy Garoppolo for a game and a half, Trent Williams for a game. They missed a bunch of their defenders. So I don't know. I, it, I'm trying to talk myself into what the numbers are seeing in the Niners. I see the picture they're painting. I don't know if I totally buy it either. Yeah, and I, I think the tragic thing about this game is that the Rams are just coming off such a disappointing loss. Like, had they won last week against the Titans, I feel like we, we might have some value with the 49ers after their disappointing loss. But you, you're, if you're fading Sean McVay, you're, you're fading a guy who's 9-2, 82% against the spread on the road coming off a loss. And I, I just don't know if I can do that. But there's a lot of sharp money on, on the 49ers. It's probably going to be a classic sharps versus squares matchup. But me personally, I don't want to back the 49ers. I had them last week against the Cardinals. And no Kyler Murray, no DeAndre Hopkins, and it wasn't even a contest. You beat the closing line by five and a half points. And so it's just, I think they're on my do not bet. Miss Frank. Yeah, it was, it was a rough game last week. And it's, it's really hard to get past that perception of just like, that was one of the biggest eggs that we've seen any team lay this whole season. And so it's really hard to get that taste out of your mouth as a better it's also very important to do that because it's just one game. Sometimes it just isn't your day. And, you know, if that was a week one game, if you flip the schedule all the way around, we wouldn't be thinking about that. It'd be like, oh, well, you know, they've come a long ways. And so it may be that they just are eager. Like the Rams are good off of a loss. Why can't the Niners be good off of just like, hey, that was awful. We need to come out and, and you know, play on our home field and look good on Monday night. Like you said, McVeigh struggled against Shanahan. I had that in my notes as well. Last year, McVeigh lost twice outright as the favorite to Shanahan. So they're not going to be afraid of this team. The other thing, too, that I saw, underdogs of five points or less against teams who have failed to cover three in a row. That's the Rams. The Rams are not covering lately. They keep kind of leaving the door open. That implies that they probably are getting a little overvalued by the books. So in that spot where underdogs are five points or less, 72, 55, and 7 against the spread. So 56.7% cover. That includes 3-1 this season. All three underdogs that covered one outright, too. So there is, the numbers would tell us to bet the Niners here. The numbers are telling us San Francisco is not so much worse than the Rams. The numbers are telling us the Rams aren't playing super well lately, that, that the books are probably overvaluing this line a little bit. I got to say, if the line got, down further to three or below, I'm definitely out. I definitely don't want to do it. At three and a half, I might put a little bit on San Francisco just because it's a home Monday night dog. It's a division game. It's a high line there. But uh, yeah, I, I know I don't want to bet on the Rams on this game. I might put a little bit on the Niners. It feels like it feels like a game that I'm going to have to just mostly watch and learn a lot from, though. Yeah, my, my, my model is actually showing Rams minus five. So like four, four or five, it's about the same. I, it's still in that dead zone. So I'm not really seeing much of an edge on the side. 
total wise, I just, I think Robert Woods being out kind of hurts. I, I don't really, I, I, I got to get a perception for this offense without him. Yeah, obviously we didn't mention Odell Beckham, the Rams, two, second big trade in a couple of weeks. Von Miller is in, Odell Beckham is in. I don't know if Von Miller will still play yet. He didn't play last week. They're trying to get that ankle healthy, obviously playing the long game here. Beckham, I think, will play, but, you know, you can't imagine he's going to be out there for a ton of plays as they kind of work him into things. So, yeah, I, I eyed the under thinking like, well, maybe they'll just have a hard time getting things moving. But Rams games have been pretty high scoring this season. So the under is a little scary there, even at 50. The one scary number here, if I bet on San Francisco, the Rams passing defense EPA the last four weeks ranks first in the NFL. The Niners passing defense EPA ranks dead last in the EPA or in, in the NFL for that span. So 0.45 EPA and the Rams like to pass and they're very good at it. And Cooper cup has been obliterating other teams. So that's scary. If I do bet on the Niners, I'm looking for Elijah Mitchell to be the reason that I kind of stay in the game, George Kittle blocking and getting some of those catches underneath. And then just Elijah Mitchell carrying the ball and keeping Stafford on the sideline keeping it close. I do think it'll be close. It doesn't seem like the Rams are going to run away with us. It feels like a spot where the Niners are kind of fighting for their season a little bit and are undervalued, but it's, it's a tough one. It sounds like we're leaning Niners, but mostly staying away here. Yeah. I think that's, that's what we're doing. <laughs> All right. So let's get to our week 11 hot read and then get you out of here. Hot rock. Of course, as always, we're looking ahead to next weekend's games, getting some early value. What is your first hot read, Raheem? I'm going with the New Orleans Saints, plus one and a half against the Eagles. I know there's been some sharp money on the Philadelphia Eagles this week already, as it was in the last five weeks. But like we, sp- we spoke on this earlier, the Eagles, they're, they've been running the ball. And that's their personality. That's, that's what they do. That's their identity right now. But they're going to be facing a Saints defense, which is third in both rushing EPA per play and success rate. They're second in run stop win rate. So they're going to be able to slow down this Eagles offense. And I, I, the Eagles don't have a ton of wide receivers. They got Devonta Smith. Obviously, Dallas Goddard is, is in there. So they got guys like Lattimore who can shut down, you know, a number one receiver. And I don't see this Eagles offense performing the same way it did against the Broncos. So I, I like the saints in this spot. I think to me, I think Trevor Simeon will be able to put, be able to put together some plays against this Eagles defense. So give me the saints. Yeah. This one, looking at the schedule, it jumped off the page to me too, just for that exact matchup. You said the Eagles with all their run, 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 run. And the saints have been one of the best run defenses the entire season. So as a, as a football nerd, I'm very excited to kind of dig into the matchup and see, but it definitely leans toward the Saints for that reason. So I considered them here too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're against me on this one, but my first hot read here, I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers at home to Washington football team. I'm going to take the Panthers as two and a half point favorites, grabbing that one before it gets to the three or past. I don't want to get the hook there. I think the Panthers are going to start Cam Newton. And that means that I get Cam Newton at home where the, the crowd loves him. The Panthers fans love Cam Newton. They're going to be excited. It's going to be a great crowd. That defense is nasty and looking healthy and ready to go again. I know that the defense has only been great against teams that aren't very good. I don't think Washington is very good. 
of course, we get Ron Rivera and Cam Newton reuniting in the same game for Cam's return. That does make me a little nervous. Maybe Ron Rivera knows how to defend Cam. Obviously, he's a pretty unique quarterback, but no Chase Young, too, for Washington. I like Carolina here to get the win at home. Yeah, I definitely want to see that injury report. I think um, I think Montez Sweat is a little banged up as well. So yeah. when I look at this game, though, I was really, really – I was so impressed with what Washington did. And I kind of have to weigh that heavily because this is the team that I thought that they would be. And then when I look at Carolina's win over the Cardinals, I think that said a lot more about the Cardinals than it did about Carolina. So yeah, that's when I look at this – yeah, when I look at this line, I'm just not sure – like this line's probably going to get to three based on what Carolina did. And I'm not sure that's warranted. So for me, from a numbers perspective, I'm kind of looking at Washington. Yeah. So that, that, that's the angle for me. It's not necessarily that this is going to be my most confident play of the week. It's mm-hmm. that I want to grab that line at two and a half before it gets to the three or three and a half, because I think, you know, that is still the key number. And so I, I'm going to grab, I'm going to make my play here. And then I'm probably just done for the week after I get my money in, because I just want to grab it before we get to the field goal there. Yeah, that makes sense. My motto actually puts that game at a pick. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think that there could be value here. Obviously, Carolina looked way better today than they actually are, but I think Washington did a little bit too. So I think it's keeping the line in range there. I had that Panthers minus three and a half where I think it's going to get to. So uh, we'll see what happens with that one. What's your other hot read? My other hot read is I'm going to go with I, this is a lean right now. I like the Minnesota Vikings. I keep betting on them week after week. I know that's your team, but I believe in them more than you do. Yeah. <laughs> and I think part of it is just this team could run the ball with Dalvin Cook. You got dynamic receivers and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. You have all, everything you need offensively. And there's a reason why this team has held seven-point leads in every single game. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is still a little bit rusty. But when you look at this Vikings team, they gave the Packers trouble last year and on the road in Lambeau. And actually, they won that game outright. And I think they can do the same thing here. Obviously, they, they played the, the two-deep shell, which is, you know, what a lot of defenses are doing to Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and, and Russell Wilson. And I think they can do that here. So I think the Minnesota Vikings have some value. Again, they keep having value week after week. Obviously, Packers, they cover every single game. But this is a market, and at some point, the market catches up with you. And I think if this gets to to three, I'm going to be all over the bike. Yeah, I would like it a lot better if it got to three. Underneath three, I don't know. I just – I never have a good read on the Vikings. Whatever is happening this season, any game, you can just, like, flip a coin on whatever outcome is going to happen. I do like – you know, they've had so many close games, so getting them as an underdog – it to me, it reads more like a better teaser play spot. You know, that's a good teaser number that I'm sure you would like as well. I don't feel great about just getting it at, you know, I could see the Packer. Like as a Vikings fan, I've had way too many games of my life watching either Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre march down the field for that game winning field goal at the end. So I, I would like it better at three underneath the three. It's probably, I'm going to wait and see if it gets there, but I do like One the thing- teaser spot. One thing we I, I neglected to mention is also the Packers will be without Aaron Jones. That's a yes. big loss for them in both the running and passing game. They have Dylan, but I think Aaron Jones is a little bit more shifty. He's a guy who can go to in a passing game who's just dangerous in space, and they're not going to have that. So I, I think that's a little scary. Yeah, I agree. Aaron Jones is definitely a guy that's hurt the Vikings. Definitely more dynamic. A.J. Dillon mm-hmm. is a good power runner, but you're limiting the offense a little bit there. So 
yeah, it does look like Jones will be out. All right, my other hot read, I'm going to take an underdog. I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts plus seven in Buffalo. I just think seven is too much. The Colts are really good, and the Colts are playing really good football right now. Today's game got a little ugly the second half. I think they just kind of wrapped up business in the first quarter. 17-0 against the Jags. That game is over. You're not going to lose that game. So I think they kind of took their foot off the gas. Buffalo looked really good today. Buffalo has not looked good the last few weeks. And we've talked a lot about Buffalo today and other weeks on this podcast. Honestly, this is going to sound crazy. I don't really know that Josh Allen is that much better than Carson Wentz right now. They're playing kind of similar, fine, but not amazing quarterback player right now. Jonathan Taylor is running all over the place. I think they're going to be able to run the ball. Colts defense has been very good. And I think he's going to limit uh, the Bills offense. They haven't really been scoring that well until they get hot for stretches. So I think that I, I wouldn't be surprised if I end up taking this as an upset special as well. For now, I'm just going to take the plus seven. I feel like this line is going to drop a little bit. So I'm going to grab the key number while it's there. Even at some books, it's already dropping. So I want to get the seven. I think the line should be closer to maybe four points or something like that. So I'm going to grab the seven and get some value on the Colts here. I actually have it at five. So I agree with you. And who have the Bills beaten this year other than the Chiefs? They've beaten the, the Dolphins twice. Like they lost to the Steelers at home. They, they beat up on the Washington football team. They beat up on the Texans. To me, they beat up, beat up, like they lost to the Jaguars and they beat up on the, on the Jets. Like to me, this team is just, they're a bully. So I don't have the respect for them that I don't believe that this is the same team that we saw last year where they just, you know, went out there and dominated every single game. So I, I like, I like them. And I, I think the Colts are, they're, they're a playoff team in the AFC. I mean, they might be. I think we've got 12 teams in the AFC with five wins, which the Colts are one of them. So they're going to need to win it. Uh, they play the Bills and then the Bucks the next two weeks. So they've got to get one of those two games, I think. And this seems like an easier spot. This just feels to me like this feels like that opening Saturday AFC playoff game. And of course, it's the Bills in there. Usually it's like an old Bengals game. I just feel like we're going to get like 17-16 or 20-16. to 16, Just close, cagey, strategic, lots of defense, lots of punting, cold weather football, you know, like I think that's what we're going to get in this game. And so at, at plus seven, I have to like my chances of at least covering. I think the Colts have a chance to win. Ironically, we actually got Bills versus Colts in the playoffs in the wild card last year in Buffalo and the Colts covered. <laughs> so. yeah, it, was it was probably the first game of the weekend too, because that's how we like to do in the AFC. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. Philip Rivers, last game of his career, played a really good game. So I don't know, maybe a little deja vu with Carson Wentz. So. All right, that is going to wrap it up at the Action Network podcast. As always, please rate, subscribe, and review. If you haven't done so yet, give us those five stars. Give us some good reviews. Stucky and Rayvon are back Wednesday night with their six-pack betting guide. Raheem and I are back Friday to look at the big games of the week and get our look-ahead picks in. For Raheem Palmer, I'm Brandon Anderson, and this has been the Action Network podcast. We are on to week 11.